You're listening to episode 54 with Kathy Bailey, Executive Director at the Greater Cincinnati Waterworks. This episode is brought to you by 120 Water Audit. Hi, this is Megan Glover, co-founder and CEO of 120 Water Audit. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the value of communication, collaboration, and innovation in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Each year, thousands of hours are spent pulling together the right data to execute drinking water programs. 120 Water Audit software and testing kits are transforming how government agencies and municipalities manage these drinking water programs. Cities like Pittsburgh, Loveland, Colorado, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and Fort Wayne, Indiana use 120 Water Audit's platform to execute their lead service line replacement, lead and copper compliance, customer request, and other drinking water programs. Our software and kits streamline your water quality testing programs, centralizing your data so that it's easier for you to meet regulatory reporting requirements and communicate with your customers. Learn more or schedule a free demo at 120wateraudit.com. That we should be looking at ourselves as the community. We are the community. We are there to keep things moving. We are there to provide high quality water. We should be a cornerstone in the different initiatives that are happening. That's just who we should be. And as much as we often, as water utilities, talk about the value of water, we don't get out in the community and then be that. You know? yes. So clearly, from our perspective, we need to be out there. So I know that you're not supposed to date your podcast because they live forever and someone could be listening to them at any given time, but I think it's important to note that I don't think there's a better way to kick off National Drinking Water Week than by talking to Kathy Bailey, who is the executive director at Greater Cincinnati Waterworks, aka the First Lady of Water. In our conversation, we talk a lot about community, how we and water are the community, and the immense level of responsibility we have for the health, the lives of our residents who, let's face it, are our neighbors. Kathy is a leader in the fight against lead in water, specifically in the actions she's taken to address the removal of lead in private service lines. Our conversation with Kathy left us feeling proud to be women in water, inspired to raise our voices even when it's uncomfortable, especially when it's uncomfortable, and most importantly, proud to be making a difference serving our community as members of the water industry because we are the community. The only way we will ever communicate the value of water is if we're living it and demonstrating it in the communities we serve. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Kathy Bailey is the executive director of the Greater Cincinnati Waterworks Department. In over 200 years, Kathy is the first woman and first African-American to lead Cincinnati's major independent municipal water utility. Kathy leads a team that ensures safe drinking water for a regional population of more than 1.1 million citizens. She supervises a team of 600 full-time employees and oversees a $110 million operating budget and a $450 million capital budget over the next five years. Kathy is a strong champion and key visionary behind Greater Cincinnati Waterworks' award-winning lead service line replacement program. Kathy has distinguished herself as a leader throughout her career, focusing on communications, strategic thinking, innovation, technical excellence, outreach, teamwork, and of course, fun to solve problems and positively impact the community. 
Her community work and leadership roles were recently recognized when she was named one of the 2018 Greater Cincinnati's YWCA's Career Women of Achievement and as one of the Cincinnati Venue Magazine's Women of Influence. So you're not supposed to do this on a podcast because it's timeless, but today happens to be Wednesday and I couldn't think of someone else better to talk to today for Woman Crush Wednesday than (laughs) First Lady of Water. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I specifically left out some of your bio because I, I want you to get an opportunity to kind of tell water, your water story within your own words. And um, it's so special for us as women in the water industry to have the executive director of a water utility that is a woman on the podcast. So how did you, how did you get here? Like, tell us a little bit about your journey. And obviously, we have to hear the story behind Flow. <laughs> so, so my journey goes back to 1992 um, when I joined the city of Cincinnati uh, Water Department. A couple years prior to that, I was with US EPA mm. and did water research. Um, in fact, those were the days of heightened concern over Giardia and crypto in water. Okay. We actually had a partnership with the city to do the analysis um, for them. So city of Cincinnati, chemists would bring us samples and we would do the analysis. I was one of the people. And so one day there was a job announcement. The person who brought me the samples said, hey, you, you might want to apply for this. And so I did. And so I started with the utility in 1992. Wow. I was hired to be a shift chemist and at that point, we were bringing our granular activated carbon treatment plant online, mm-hmm. and I hired for that. Um, shortly after that, I started doing other things. You know, I had an interest in IT, so the IT person actually um, retired, and I did some IT in the water quality and treatment division. I went into strategic planning. I was in performance metrics. I had a number of roles over the years Um, And and as I often explain, you know, it was 23 years of sitting at various seats around the table. Mm -hmm. I had a a seat early on, and and I think I was extremely lucky to get that seat towards the end of 1992. And I had that seat at the table to learn from many mentors and, and people before me. And I learned the good and the bad. I learned sometimes they didn't want me there. You know, I learned that other times they did want me there, but they didn't want me to say anything. Yeah. (laughs) I also learned that there were some times when they did want me there. They wanted my opinion. They wanted my perspective. So 23 years of learning that. Mm -hmm. And then in that 24th year, I was asked by the city manager to lead the table, which is pretty cool. You know, all those years. And so... That's kind of what brought me to this point. I've been in this role a little over three years now as the executive director, um, but it's been a long road, but it, it has never been, you know, a road where I didn't like that I was on it, you know, always a learning opportunity for me, so much to learn, so much to pick up and make my own and, you know, shape it into how I could use it to move me forward and not just to move me forward, but to move other females and minorities and just people in general that worked here to help them move along the way. 
Nice. I like that. I like that shift in, um, instead of climbing up the ladder, moving around the table. Yes. You know, I love that. And then that mindset, that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yes. I, I think it's important to have that mindset. You know, it's always, mm-hmm. it's not always about moving up. Right. It's about really making the most of the space that you're in. And sometimes it is just moving around that table. It's not about moving up or over or back, mm-hmm. just moving around and picking up what you can. And at the point when it, you're ready to use all of that, you need to make sure that you seize that moment mm-hmm. and the best opportunity. I love it. So, so yeah, you got, you got to tell us how you, um, got knighted. I don't know what they do for a woman with the, with the title of, uh, with the title of flow. So it was kind of cool. So, you know, when they, when they selected me and, and said, and I said, yes, I would, would take on this position. One of my brother-in-laws, you know, he was actually on social media and he posted congrats and he said, first lady of water because at that point 200 years I was the first lady to be in charge of, of the water utility and so my sister my mom other family members just started calling me flow mm-hmm. so you know at, at first I didn't think too much of it but then I thought well that is kind of cool and it goes with water and so you know my sister was encouraging me she's like this is major you need to figure out how you will celebrate and what will be the special thing that you will look back and think about you know you did once you got this position and so this was totally not me but my husband helped me with this but i have personalized plates that say the flow i love it (laughs) it was totally outside of me not something i would normally do is have personalized plates but it's been kind of cool to then take First Lady of Water. Um, council members call me that. Employees call me that. I certainly tweet under that handle. Um, and it's just really working for us. Mm-hmm. And my PIO explains to me here, you know, it's part of the branding. And it's important to not only brand the organization, but to brand me in this role. Because that branding will not only help my career, but certainly will help others. Um, behind me or you know next to me move up and so we've been using that and and having some fun with it but it is it is fun I love it well I love that um, I love that you brought up branding because that's definitely something that that we care a lot about especially the way that water brands themselves so as always I'm glad that you are kind of leading another in another way that that charge of making sure that we as water or that water utilities remember that you know branding is relevant to to them too so that's awesome <laughs> it is and and you know i'm always trying to have fun with it so it does add an, an element of fun with it too and so that was a big piece that my pio keeps bringing to me as well she's like it's pretty fun you know it's a lot of fun so i can tell i'm already a fan of your pio cuz you know <laughs> there's there are cities that think that you know, someone with a title like that or, or a little too much fun is, you know, considered self-promotion or like they take it in a negative light and it's just not the way that that should be intended. And it's not the way that that was, you know, it's, I love that you guys are embracing it. It's, it's powerful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yes. So when I think of you, I think of community, like you're such an advocate for community and reminding water professionals that they are the community too. So when we talk about water solutions 
for the community, like we as the water industry are included in that conversation. So why is that idea so important to you? Well, you know, and I think it started when I was younger. I grew up in Weirton, West Virginia. So a small town, it was a steel mill town at the time. And it was a pretty small town, but of course at the time we didn't think it was as small as we then later found out it was, but, but it was all about community. You know, it was, it was, you know, I had people that I called Aunt RG and, you know, Uncle Pick and Uncle Swartz, and they were not blood relatives. They were teachers and and friends of my mom's, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, white and black, you know, and and they were just community. They were family and we stuck together as a community and got things done. You know, if there was some initiative in the community, everyone came out. Mm -hmm. We were at the community center with so many different people over the years. And and I think that was just something that my mom made sure that I sit, my sister and I knew was important. You need to be part of the community you need to give back to the community. You need to be in the community. You are the community. Yeah. And so for me, it's just natural as a water utility and knowing that water is life, that we should be looking at ourselves as the community. We are the community. We are there to keep things moving. We are there to provide high quality water. We should be a cornerstone in the different initiatives that are happening. Mm-hmm. That's just who we should be. And as much as we often, as water utilities, talk about the value of water, we don't get out in the community and then be that. You know? yes. So clearly, from our perspective, we need to be out there. You mm-hmm. know, we're marching in parades, yes. you know, having the fun. We're, we're certainly sponsoring, you know, different things. You know, we're at community meetings. If there's an issue, we show up for support. All of that should be something that that we need to do. And it should just be, it should not be an agenda item or it should not be something that we have to put on a calendar. It's how we function. And so that's a big part of of really our mantra and how we march at Greater Cincinnati Waterworks. Mm. You need need an argument to anybody above you that's saying, why, what does that have to do with water? Why does water need to be involved in that? Go to this episode and listen to Kathy. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) So one area uh, where you've really adopted that idea of working within the community to solve community problems is with the lead issue. Can you talk to us about your lead program and how you've worked with the community on this lead issue? Sure. You know, I I actually, I I posted a a tweet earlier today because we hit a milestone yesterday um, related to our new program, and that was our 100th removal of the private and public side of a lead service line. Wow. But Yay. we started we started in in December of 2015, and that was you know at the height of Flynn and some things going on there, and really just came around the table and said, you know, we were sitting around the table, 25 or more of us, and saying basically, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. We, program, but what does it need to look like to move forward? And so we started down a road to just say, hey, we need to be more aggressive to remove the public side of the lead service lines. And as we had that conversation, we we quickly said, well, wait a minute. The public side is not going to really help us if we don't have the private side. Mm -hmm. So we went to 
well, nobody can afford that. Mm -hmm. We kept marching along because again, the whole flip of the conversation to say, we are the community. How will we solve this problem for our community? Because we are the community. Mm-hmm. That's when the real solutions kicked into place. You know, it's like, we need to help our residents, our neighbors, right. us, figure yeah. out a way to pay for the private side removal. And so we just, 25 strong, you know, around the table every week. What can we do? And, you know, for a while there, it was two steps forward, three steps back. But we kept chugging along and, and everything. And, and then we involved um, council members. We had one council member that was just a true champion. And he just kept plugging along with us. That was council member Smitherman. And, and just, you know, his champion of the whole program helped us too. Because it was like, hey, this is a council member right. that is right along with us and trying to make that. Yeah. And so we just kept going on and on. Then we said, hey, we need to get out in the community and let's go to our 52 neighborhood community meetings and start talking about what we want to do. Not so much that we we are there yet, but let them know, hey, we got free testing right now. We got lookup maps. You can go see where these lead service lines are, but know that in some months ahead, we're going to have this program. Mm-hmm. And and so everything we said, we were delivering on it. So they had no reason, you know, to not believe us that we were going to bring this program forward. And so by the time we brought it forward, late 2016, and then final approval in June of 2017, wow. people like, well, of course you did this, because you said you would. And, yeah. and doubt, and, and, you know, we're thankful that you did it. But I tell you, it was so energizing to to be in those neighborhood meetings and and ask people directly what do you think about this program wow and they would say "Mm, yeah that part works but that doesn't and we literally would take what they said would not work back to that table of 25 and and said hey they said it won't work what else can we do and then we go back to them well what about this and they're like yes that works and and it was such a partnership you know, that, that I had not experienced in the past, but clearly it, it felt so good, you know, to, to know that they had given us their input and we put it into action. And now it's a program that truly is for our community, but yeah. by our community. By them. Your buy-in yeah. is immediate. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, immediate. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's, it's immediate. It's just, it's just good. We still talk about the goosebumps that we get from the program. You know? Oh, Yeah. Did yeah. you um, did you ever face kind of anybody who got any pushback or had trepidation about having that level of community involvement, or was everybody kind of on the same page from the get go? Well, you know, some some um, community meetings early on, it was that you know that side look of why are you really here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you've never been here before. What do you really want from us? And we just kept telling them, you know, we are not here, you know, to to basically set you up for something that's coming down the pike and it's going to cost you more in a rate, you know, or something like that. It's just more of, hey, we want to tell you about this program. We want to tell you what we can do for our community. We want you to further understand who we are as a utility. Mm-hmm. The more they saw us show up every month mm-hmm. and that, then the more they got on board. Um, but it's been 
very, very exciting, you know, to see 45, 50 employees who volunteered, you know, to go to these meetings and to see the connections and partnerships that they now have in the, in the neighborhoods and to just see, you know, I can walk, I was in Kroger's one day in Hyde Park and that's one of our neighborhoods and one, a woman in there approached me and said, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. And she was like, you were at our community meeting last month. That's cool. Yeah. You know, there's that connection that you now have with people you would normally not connect with and that they help you do work and, and do something that's positive for the community. That's amazing. I love it. I love that you're um, such an advocate for that and um, that we get to tell your story. That's amazing. <laughs> or share your story. You told it. We share it. <laughs> um, so communication is all about the audience, but doing yes. that right takes time, strategy, effort, et cetera. Um, you know, we're such a diverse country, but I don't always feel like our communication efforts in water mirror that diversity. So how are you all addressing diversity related to making sure that when you're doing outreach that you're reaching, that you're meeting, getting to all of your customers? You know, that, that's a tricky one. I think, you know, across the country, we have for so many years just tried to be so politically correct. Right. And I think in some ways that has hurt us because we we often might hide behind that and not have the real conversations that we need to have. Oh, yes. So I think what, what I try to do and what I encourage is to really, really know your community. You know, we have 52 neighborhoods and we really, really need to know what's going on each, in each neighborhood. Mm-hmm. An example I, I've used in the past Uh, a neighborhood here, you know, St. Bernard, and there's still maybe a a larger German population or deeper roots in in the German population there. And it might be helpful for me to send Paul Vondermulen, one of my superintendents over there. He grew up in St. Bernard. He has some connections. It would be helpful to send Paul there, you know, because there's something already there. The flip side is, if I'm going to a meeting in neighborhood, in, 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 in Avondale as a neighborhood, that's a predominantly African-American neighborhood, older community. It might be helpful for me to go there. I shouldn't send Paul over there. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes we just think, we don't think to that level. Right. Strategic in how we want to go out in the neighborhood and have a presence. We just send somebody. Mm-hmm. Be strategic so that we can maximize our success. Yes. And we need to also do our research to know as much as we can about each one of the neighborhoods. So I think we do that well here. We, we know, you know who lives in the neighborhood. We know poverty levels in the neighborhood. We yes. know something about the schools. We know um, the community centers and who attends. We know the, the number one and two and three you know, churches that people are belonging to. We know, you know, some of the nuances and the cultures of each neighborhood so that we can best serve them and meet them where they are. And and that comes with us understanding that doing our research, staying on top of our research, doing our homework and being ready to to really understand that diversity in the individual cultures 
so that we can be successful. And I think sometimes as water utilities, we just don't we don't take that first step. think down that path. No. We just we just like oh send somebody over to talk to them. Well, be strategic in who you send. Yeah, strategic in what they know before they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something that we're continually working on here. When you say research, are, are you guys doing surveys or, or what kind of research are you are you doing to to have that background to make those decisions? Well, we love data. Boy, do we love data. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we, we look at census data, mm-hmm. have, um, you know, different reports that, that our city leaders have done over the years about yeah. lives in what neighborhoods. Yeah. We look at some of our billing system data. Mm-hmm. We, have, we do have some data from our surveys that we've taken um, probably over the last 16 years. So we use data as well. We use data of just from our employees. It's right. like who's in, in Avondale? Who lives in Evanston? Who lives in Madisonville? What can you tell us about this? What can you tell us about that? We just we use all the resources that we can. Yeah. The smarter we can be on each neighborhood, then the better we can serve them and meet them where they are. Yeah. And I mean, so data comes from all different places and we just pull it together. But we have honest conversations about it. It's nothing for us to be sitting around the room and, and somebody will say something and, and we'll just honestly say, yeah, but that white person probably shouldn't go over there alone or <laughs> that person probably shouldn't go in there without this information. Right. It's just honest conversations and yeah. it's not the, you know, divisive in any way. Mm-hmm. It's conversations that we really need to have that will make us successful. And, and we have those. That's awesome. I think there's a there's a difference between PC and candor. And I think that in trying to stay PC, we've moved so far away from just any opportunity to have any candor in our conversations. But those are exactly like what you're talking about. That yeah. just needs to happen. I agree. I agree. So, Miss Flo, authenticity <laughs> is one of our core values, and you exemplify that to a T. Um, you've shared with a story um, about September 1992 when you decided that you were never going to conform. Can you tell us this story? <laughs> I love a little rebellion. Yeah, yeah it, it's yeah, it's, it's it's one of those stories. But it, I was at the utility here, and and clearly it was a time when in our water quality and treatment division we did not have. A, a large number of minorities. And in fact, some of the current employees had told me as I was hired, we just had been in trouble because we mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of minorities in water quality. So of course they quickly hired a whole bunch of us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so in doing so, you know, then it became every aspect of what we were trying to do, make sure there's coverage, make sure there's minorities, make sure that we're visible in that manner. And so we were getting ready to bring on the granular activated carbon treatment plant. And we decided that we were going to do tours. And so initially they said, oh, we'll get some tour guides. But then they decided that employees would be tour guides and that they wanted to, wanted to really train us on what to say and how to act for these tours. And so, you know, we were trained and everything and they got ready. And so then... Of course, it's the whole conversation of dress and look professionally. 
And so, you know, again, it's that whole difference of culture. What might look professionally to me, perhaps right. what was envisioned by others. And I'll never forget this. The, the, the feeling still brings chills to me. But, you know, I, I, of course, went shopping and I had this awesome, you know, two-piece pantsuit. Oh, it was cool. It was, it was good <laughs> stuff, you know. And it had this. Yeah. Right. It was 90s, so it was yeah. good clothes, right? So it had this awesome jacket with this high like, Chinese collar and it was buttoned down the front. I had these awesome patent leather boots that I had purchased just for the event and they were like yeah. stuff. Back then, my hair was, was um, short and I would blow dry it and it would stick straight up on my head. It was kind of like a Billy Idol version, right? Nice that going on and then I had like each ear was pierced three times and you know I was rocking whatever earrings that were important and and so I thought I was looking pretty sharp yeah and so I walk in this room with everyone else and notice all these other people in the room mostly white males and they all had on black or blue suits with a white shirt and a dark tie and just, you know, hair combed all in the same manner, all of that. And I remember so many of them just turning as I entered the room and just looked me up and down. And it was not an up and down look of, we're excited that you're here. It was not a look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was that look of, you got to be kidding me. That's what you wore and that's what you're going to present and, and greet people in. I'll never forget that feeling. Um, but we all went to our tour spots and, and we, you know, did our little spill for the people who came through. Um, and, and it was successful, you know, and in fact, um, a number of people from other utilities were interested in me as, you know, coming to work for them and had shared that with my boss you know, but, but it was that type of a moment that really just said to me, you know what, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and what I wear means nothing for what I can do and what I will bring to the table. And, and personally, I just, that moment for me was, you know what, you're going to have to take me as I am because I'm not going to be the person who comes in here in that blue or black suit with that white shirt. And quite honestly, you shouldn't really expect me or want me to do that either. And so it's that moment of I'm going to be true to myself. And if that, if that did not work for you, then that was your problem, not my problem. Right. And so I just, I just own that from that moment on and, and really have kind of, I guess, marched to my own tune, but that was the, of it that kind of set the tone for the rest of your career (laughs) (laughs) just here comes Flo she is going I love it you know and and I but I even I laugh sometimes stuff now I go to some of these conferences and I'm the one sitting there in the orange blazer and the blue skirt and some multicolored shoes you know but I look across and there's a sea of blue or black or gray suits and it's like whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it, it just it is what it is, you know. 
I love that now every time I go to a conference or anything like that, a gathering of water nerds, I'm going to start in my mind going, okay, there's a flow fan. There's a flow. <laughs> like, there's a little rebel there. There's one over there. And I'll be looking at myself because I know I'll be looking like, you know, totally different. Yeah. I had to have you, uh, I had to have you tell that story again for us just because, um, I think like one of the, especially for a woman, one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves is just discovering our truth and then living by it yes. and owning it. Because mm -hmm. when you're trying to be someone else, that's the most miserable existence that you can have. And so um, just embracing that weirdness and letting your freak flag fly and, you know, just, and it doesn't always have to be a freak. It's just you, you know? And so I really right. love it's that just, story. It's, it's, it's just you and you just gotta be you. You know, we, we, we enter this game with, with all these male players that have been right. here for so, so many years. And, and why do we think we have to look and act like them? No, we are here mm -hmm. and be, honestly and openly here as we are not trying to be somebody else and yeah. that is truly something that i encourage i mean that's the most that's the greatest differentiator that's the only differentiator that we have actually is by being ourselves you know so correct um so uh, we can't talk to the first lady of water without obviously talking about women in water uh, because that's something <laughs> that everyone on this call is passionate about so um we were talking about women in business with one of our friends, Sarah Zink, and she said that she's over, she's over women talking about the quote-unquote boys club, but not addressing how sometimes we as women don't do a good enough job at supporting one another. So how do you think women can do a better job at, at doing that, supporting one another instead of seeing each other as competition? Well, I, I definitely agree with, with her on that. I am so over that. But <laughs> but you're right. We we don't. We we just don't often support women, you know, and, and you know, I don't know the root of all of that, but I I, I certainly know from my perspective it, it just feels like sometimes we're threatened mm -hmm. another woman that we apparently believe is in our space. Mm. So I think the way that I try to approach it and encourage other women to look at it is they're not in our space. We're, we're, we're all occupying just a set amount of space. And, and, and quite honestly, we're in that space with some type of privilege. Yeah. And, and so leverage the privilege that you have in that space. But don't feel threatened that somebody else is in your space. They might be next to your space, in front of your space, behind, whatever, but they are not in your space. Mm -hmm. And the moment when you can recognize that they're not in your space, then that threat goes away. Mm -hmm. And so then, just like a puzzle, you connect very well if you can connect to the person that's next to you, in front of you, behind you. And so that's the part that I try to encourage, you know, I, I don't have any reason to not support Catherine Sorensen in Phoenix as a, as a water leader. She's not in my space. She's connected to me right side by side, just as Keisha Powell in Atlanta is connected to me. But I should not be threatened by those people. I should not be wanting to not support them. I should be there and encouraging them 
you know, sending shout outs when something happens for them, you know, lifting them up, you know, calling them if, if I need to, to give them some encouragement for what they're doing. But so many times we just look at, at other women and think they're a threat. They are not a threat. We need to figure out how we can connect and, and really just support and uplift one another. And clearly that's a big part of what we try to do here at water. You know, my, my deputy director, and this was not by design, but my deputy director of operations is a female and my CFO is a female and my chief counsel is a female mm. and my um, superintendent of shared services is a female. Quit hogging them all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not by design, but certainly what has happened. And we then have, you know, seven additional um, we have seven males that then round out the rest of our steering committee. Um, but those five, those five females, we're, we're not threatened by each other. We're there to uplift, to encourage, to be supportive, you know, to, to help each other get through everything that we're doing. Because any, any given day, we are running through 15, 20 different challenges that are just our daily work, let alone the challenges and the, the passive aggressiveness and all of those different things that we often experience because we are in these roles. And so we certainly don't need another one of us. <laughs> we have to go against and have to fight. So I just try to encourage, you know, a different view. Don't look at women as a threat. Look at them certainly as, you know, just another puzzle piece, another a help along the way somebody that can support and uplift you and encourage you. And, and certainly that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I love it. Well, you, uh, you reached out to us on Twitter and asked us to come up with the acronym hashtag for women to share stories about frustrating things that we've encountered at work. And we kind of had one in, in our back pocket for a number of years. We didn't know how to use it, but so we suggested hashtag fierce. You want to say what that one is? Oh, yeah. It's uh, females in environmentally, rela- environmentally related. Uh... <laughs> <coughs> Careers everywhere. Careers everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Great. Yes. And we've loved reading all the stories that you've shared so far. And you shared some of these um, crazy ones that are from the Twitter world. How is this all being received on Have your you, end? Has anyone- has anyone shared yeah. privately messages and stuff like that? Yes, yeah, some no. people have shared, you know, some people have shared messages and said, hey, you know, can't say the person's name because this just happened today, you know, ah, but, yeah. but yeah, people are definitely sending private messages and, and you know, inboxing me and, and direct messaging to, to share their individual stories. And it, yeah. it's really, I think it's encouraging, you know, because. Yeah. You know, part of why I wanted to do it was we often keep these types of stories inside. Yes. And how are we helping the next generation if we just keep them inside? And so we need to, we need to write about them and, and really share the lessons learned that we take away from these situations and, and put them out there for other people to see and learn from. And, and that was really, you know, my starting point. Uh, it's actually turned out to be very um, releasing. I mean, it's a nice release. 
to, yeah. to put it out there, you know, and just be like, oh, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't and wait. So I want to share all of these. <laughs> you know, but, but it's it's just something to put out there. And, and I'm encouraging more people, you know, to put their own out there. Yes. Yes. But, but it is, it is, it's being well received, I believe. And, and really, it, we just have to talk about it, you know, because we yeah. let people know, yeah, this has happened, but here's what you can learn from it. And here's yeah. how you pull it. And here's how you move past it. Yeah. Well, it's a less confrontational way to kind of put it out there what's appropriate or not appropriate, or just kind of like maybe food for thought that things right. that get said to us as women that would never be said to a man. I don't think there's exactly. any man out there who would have their presentation called cute. Um, right. I, that's happened to us in the past. And so I, you know, like I just, you know, I, energetic. Yeah. Fun, any other adjective, you know, you know? right. Right. Cute or, oh, honey, what did you just say? Honey? <laughs> well, I'm not your honey. You know, yeah. you know it's <laughs> you know, so it's, different than we have to, you know, like, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to train your husband or your spouse, but it's, right. we have to train all of these men. Like they have to understand that, and not just men, but a lot of them, most of the fierce moments are man related. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so we have to train them in a way of, you know, steer them down this path. There's so many, especially in this day and age, like there's no, um, every step they take is like, am I going to get in trouble or not? Am I going to, so it's like, let's guide them through these stories of like, this is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're not. Maybe think about this. Maybe, you know, don't include that. Like, I'm not offended by that, but it's just really annoying. You know, like, would you want somebody to, I liked one of the ones that I saw that you posted where I think you, um, you you mentioned your role and they were like, oh, of what department? And you were like, right. all of them. Right. <laughs> Executive <Right>. director. <laughs> exactly. It, it's it's like they just, they don't want to believe it or it's like, sure, you're telling me the truth. It's like, no, I'm the real deal. Yeah. Executive director. I am that one, you know? Yes. Yeah, that is me. So I want to encourage... Um, anyone listening, any females out there listening, please to use the hashtag fierce, tag the H2 duo, tag the first lady of water. And just like Kathy said, let's get these stories out there and just start sharing and talking about it. And, you know, let's, let's not be scared about it. <laughs> um, so on the staying on the theme of women in water, what's the best advice you can give to the women rising in water, the women YPs out there? You know, I, I really, it's a great time, you know, for rising YPs to be in the water utility industry. And, and really, you know, I think what I would, what I would tell people would be, you know, I have a word each year. I pick a word and it really becomes something that I try to focus in on and really live by for that year and just have it be you know, part of my life moving forward. So my 2018 word was intentional. Ah, yes. And intentional in in all that we're trying to do, certainly intentional in trying to be the best person that I can be and intentional in, you know, my service to the community. But more importantly, it's intentional for, you know, for the the different things that are really happening in our society. Mm -hmm. much as, you know, we all talk about, oh, yeah, we need to change that. We need to be the change. Well, how about we be intentional in it? Yeah. 
Mm. You know, how about we put some real energy behind it? How about we aggressively and passionately pursue whatever that change is? And so that comes with being intentional. And so I would encourage our young female YPs to really be intentional in, in what they are trying to achieve, you know, and if they see themselves as having a clear role as a change agent in the water utility industry, and I think we all are change agents mm-hmm. in the utility industry, but once they realize that that is their role, then be intentional in it, be passionate, be aggressive. So many people look at the word aggressive and think that is, you know, harsh or something that's bad or, or evil in some way. But no, just be aggressive, be passionate about what you're Hungry trying to do and, and really just go after it. And so that's, that's what I would tell them. Don't sit back and think, well, when my time comes, I'll be able to. <laughs> the time is now. When my you know, time and, comes. And seize the moment mm-hmm. and, and be intentional in what you can bring forward and we'll all be better for it. Yes, ma'am. If, if I waited till when my time would come, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have quit my job and sat where I'm sitting today. <laughs> I was trying to, trying to, when my time comes, then I'll start rogue water. Um, but no, you gotta, you, when you, when you see it, you got to just go for it and, and don't be afraid to reach out to the flows of the world and all of these, you know, women who are in the position that you want, you know, I love that we can do that with each other. You know, you want to be an executive director of a water utility, hit her up on Twitter, Yep. you know, (laughs) start making those connections now. Don't wait until you're 10 years down the road before you want to start thinking about that. If it's even, I will say our, our, the younger generation, I love the energy and the forwardness they have. You know, I'm, I might be at, at conferences, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm that person that talks to everybody to begin with, but but <laughs> a lot of IPs they just walk up and start talking. They do. You know, Twenty years ago, at, at their age, I would never have done that. Oh that, my that, gosh, no! But you did. But I love the fact that they are not intimidated at all. They walk up, they have their questions, you know, and they just strike that conversation. Mm-hmm. That is, awesome. and I certainly like that that they have that within them, mm-hmm. and they're doing it now. Yeah. So we're going to do a little wrap-up question, um, flash mix, lightning round, whatever you want to call it. Stephanie loves and hates my names for them. Um, so I want to know what The Flow's favorite book is right now that you can recommend to us. Favorite book? Mm-hmm. Any kind. We, it's probably not my favorite, but maybe it's one – you know, my favorite book, and I don't even know the author of it. I just know the title. The, the, my favorite book, um, as it relates to work, is The Way of the Shepherd. Okay. You read. Um, but it's all about looking at your, at, at basically as your, at your staff as a flock. Mm-hmm. And as a shepherd, you need to make sure that you know your flock and know so many aspects of them. You know, what makes them tick, what makes them work, how you need to feed them, what will make them move. Call some out. <laughs> exactly. All of that. And, and so it's, it's a book that actually I read it once a year, at least once a year, to just remind me of it's important to have that mm-hmm. you know, 
to, to understand our employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's a favorite book. Probably one that I'm reading right now is The Poison City. Mm, but, yeah. And the, and the talk and, and her explanation of what happened in Flint. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I would, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be a hard read. Mm-hmm. You know, ready to read this, but I know I want to read it. But it has not been a, a hard read at all. And it's, it's, it's eye-opening in so many, so many ways. And, and I think the biggest way for me is, you know, we, we are blindly trusted yeah. by, by our consumers. Yes. And when that trust is gone, whoa. I mean, that's a holy crap moment right there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and so it's, it's just so eye-opening in that book, you know, as I read from page to page, like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. and this happened, and that happened, and this happened, and that happened. It's, man, you know, so, so it just makes you sit and just realize, you know, how much that we just need to, I think, as a water utility industry, tighten ourselves up and get our houses in order. Yes. You know, and 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 not only have that have that blind trust, we should earn it, mm-hmm. and, and be in front of our consumers on a regular basis, telling them all about what we do. Yes, and and we, as a water utility industry, we we are behind the scenes. We're not out there having conversations with people. You know, that's not what we've historically done. Right, it needs to change. You yes. know, and we really really need to to do that and and make sure that they know us and they trust us and they know why they trust us. Mm-hmm. And, and also let them know we are rock stars. You know, mm-hmm. why do you, employees are rock stars? Yes, Sam. You know, so many people don't know what we do to bring them the safe, high quality drinking water that we do. And we are every day. Stars. Mm-hmm. Every day, 24 7, 365. Uh, you know, so musicians don't have anything on the water utility. Not at all. Rock stars 24-7. And so The Poison City, that book is just a reminder Mm -hmm. so many ways to me about all of that. And and like I said, I thought it was going to be a hard read, but it's not. But it's it's one worthwhile. I think Mm -hmm. many people in our industry and others should read it. Well, I love it. it. Cannot wait to read that one. Um, what is something that you do every day that drives your productivity? You know, I am a, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that has to get something done every day. Mm-hmm. You know, IT people, they can go for years working on a project and then boom, they implement something. I'm not that person. Uh-huh. <laughs> it never will be. But I'm that person that needs to get something done every day. Mm-hmm. So, and, and sometimes it might be signing a, a stack of 200 level letters. Mm-hmm. It might just be, you know, I went out with a crew and I was able to see how they worked. But whatever it is, I have to feel like I got something done that was value added to the organization or the employees or the community. Mm-hmm. And when I have at least one of those, then it, it, it just refuels me. It makes yeah. me go even more and it brings me back in the next day to do more of it. And, and I think that's the, the big thing that I have to have. 
That's awesome. Um, so in our, in our line of work, Ariane and I have heard, well, you know, what difference does it make if I make a change? Cause I'm just one person and that's not going to change anything for me to, for me to do that. And we obviously disagree with that. We think that one person making a change can ultimately change the world. And so what's that one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? I love to talk to people, mm-hmm. you know, and I really believe, and this might sound creepy or corny, however you take it, but, <laughs> but we, we are a product of all the people that we encounter and talk to and learn from. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about that, you, you know, the more people that you can talk to, then you, you certainly can put yourselves in their shoes. You can learn their culture. You can learn their history. And, and so I'm passionate of, and that I have that call to action to really just communicate with people and, and just learn their history, their, cult, their culture, their why that they actually exist and do things. And I think the more that we can do that, the more we will realize we're not as different as we think we are, the more we'll realize we are, you know, open to helping each other the more we will realize we can partner together to make things happen, you know, and, and I think we've seen some of that in recent years, you know, as, as people come together and have different calls to action and different things that we see that are happening across the nation. But, but I, I think for me, it's just that, that whole call to action to get off your phone and, and just have a conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, thank them for the nice thing that they did, mm-hmm. you know, and on how nice they look and, and mean it, you know, have a conversation with somebody and then don't get bored five minutes in and pull out your phone. Right. Yep. Be in the moment and, and just, you know, appreciate what each other has to offer and, and what you can learn from one another. And, and that's a big part of where I am. You know, I, I, I often try to get out and, talk to people in the organization when I'm at city hall, you know, I'm not walking in the door and bypassing the the security guards and the, you know, the, the maintenance guy in the hall. I'm talking to them too, you know? Right. And, and I think we've just lost a lot of that. It's like, I need to know what your status is before I'll engage you in a conversation. No, that's not happening here. Mm -hmm. It's like, care what your status is. Mm -hmm. Engage you in a conversation. Tell me something. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's a big, a big piece of my call to action. Cause I think the more we do that, then the more we're connected yes. and the more connected, then we can partner and really solve some of the big issues that we have in our nation. Love it. Love it. Love to end on that note. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us today. And um, we definitely appreciate you and everything that you're preaching and all of the amazing, just Community, communication, um, authenticity, all mm-hmm. of those women in water. Yeah, you're a rock star. We love it. Well, thanks Thanks for having me. Thank <laughs> you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd Newsletter. 
found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says. Those who tell the stories rule the world.